guys, welcome to the Mindset Mashup. I'm your host, Michelle Sorrow, TV host on Extra, author and lifestyle strategist. And I'm going to dig deep to bring you closer to your best life in this lively, unfiltered and heart-centered podcast. The Mindset Mashup is a world-class compilation of insights and ahas designed to optimize what matters most, radical self-love, emotional mastery, tribe impact and success. Tune in for inspirational guests who reveal the mindset required to bust through the BS that holds you back and then how to apply those tips and tools to elevate your life, business, and relationships. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hey guys, I'm really excited about my next guest, Spencer Barnes, one of the world's most iconic celebrity makeup artists and a dear friend of mine. He is someone that when we met, it was just so real and deep immediately. Like we went narrow and deep. Um, and it was just effortless because he's just so willing to connect and be authentic. And there's no pretense about him, which was just incredibly disarming and, um, refreshing, you know, especially because we can get so caught up in our ideas of Hollywood or, um, A-list celebs, red carpet, you know, just that level of success that he's been able to achieve and how generous hearted he is and how make no mistake about it. There are some absolute, mindset principles that he shares, um, very openly about how he gets himself aligned and, um, some of the priorities in his life that he's been able to maintain to live such an authentic, um, sweet hearted serviceful mission, I guess is the way that I would describe him. There's so many ways to describe him. That said, um, I'll let you listen to the conversation. I'm not going to lie. Like I'm new at this. So some of these conversations, um, went way longer than I thought I would in the beginning, but I didn't want to, you know, stop before it was done. And so hopefully you'll hang on to the end because there's, there's a lot of goodness here and he gives such wonderful tips. Um, to budding makeup artists and just people who want to feel more centered in general throughout all the different various chapters of life. So with no further ado, please meet my friend, Spencer Barnes. Thank you guys for tuning in. I'm very excited to have my friend and iconic celebrity makeup artist and entrepreneur, Spencer Barnes in the house. His red carpet clients include the lovely Julianne Huff, Amy Adams, Brooke Burke, the Duchess of Sussex, formerly known as Meghan Markle, which I love, Mila Kunis, Jessica Chastain, Olivia Wilde, Angie Harmon, and so many other incredible beautiful souls and your talent my friend has graced the covers of virtually every single important magazine including vanity fair women's health red book esquire people magazine and allure l harper's bazaar the new york times magazine and of course your work has been showcased and you yourself have been on every epic entertainment show including entertainment tonight the today show and so many others and i love the partnerships I could go on and on. You're just like, put your arms back, chill, like listen to the whole intro. This is your life. It's so awesome. Um, (laughs) Wonderful collaborations and partnerships with um, prestigious companies like Lancome and Maybelline and Merle Norman and more. And of course, your latest endeavor being the entrepreneur that you are launching your 
Can you give it that title? Because it's long. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm launching my first uh, beauty product for my beauty brand, which is called Spencer Barnes LA. And it's a device that we wanted to create for an area that has never yet been adequately addressed, the neck, chin, and jaw area. So it's an instant sculpting wand addressing the neck, chin, and jawline area. Oh, thank God. <laughs> you know, because seriously, we want other options. And, and I think a lot of women would prefer not to have to do anything surgically or believe in kind of like BS creams and, and, and other formulas. And knowing that you come from such a, a rich wealth of experience of working with all types of jaw lines, not just celebrities. Let's be clear about that. Um, and really wanting to make a difference in the world. And so that's what I love it is that you're such a man of integrity. And so there's no way that you would put this product out in the market if it wasn't effective. So I'm super excited. Yes. Okay. So we're going to go into that. And, um, and really what I'm excited about is that the moment that I met you, um, I was so drawn to your spirit. And then of course, under spirit is mindset. It's like how people approach life. And, and it's just so fascinating to think of someone like you, you're, you know, you're so world renowned and unless someone's been living under a rock, they might, you know, not be familiar with you, but you're so iconic and your clients have graced virtually every red carpet around the planet and continue to do so. And long-term, like you keep these relationships, which is another special thing about you and your clients and you seem to be similar, just like a beautiful hearts, souls. And I though was personally captivated by you the moment that we connected because you were so accessible. And for me, that blew me away because I think it's easy to imagine or project that someone with your clout and your circle of influence and just your celebrity, you might not be that accessible. So that mindset is like, wow, I want to hear where you were, where you are and where you're headed. And what have been the mindset shifts that have helped you to navigate to keep who you really are intact? That's why I'm so excited that you're here. Um, thank you. It's such a delight to be here with you. And uh, I actually had a great time when I met you. I had an immediate connection as well. And I find that whenever I meet people, I, I, I remember that we're all human and we're here having a human experience. And while my experience might be very different from yours, it's just as valuable and just as complex and interesting. So um, looking at people as in the process you know, where none of us are complete or should be looked at as perfect, whatever that even means. And that, that just sort of levels the playing field and allows us to look at each other with, with respect and interest and join the human experience. So I, I, I find people fascinating. Well, you are certainly doing your part at like, you know, contributing to the human experience because you're such a diverse guy too. I mean, while you are, you know, obviously a you know, huge A-list celebrity, makeup artist, traveling the world and having these epic experiences, but being the entrepreneur that you are. And then also I love how creative you are and your passion for music and, and dance and experience and really wanting to, to foster your own personal growth which is just so beautiful. And you go deep, man. I mean, you're not about anything shallow, not in your conversations, not in your experiences, not in any given moment, which is why I know this is going to be such a yummy conversation. <laughs> um, so let's just, you know, kick things off with just sort of, you know, an opener question, um, because I think it's relevant to a beautiful life that you have created. And let's be clear, you did design this life and it looks like you're living like, you know, a dream life to so many people from the outside, but it's a mindset. So what would you say have been, you know, like 
a biggest mindset shift that you've learned to embrace to really manifest this life? Well, one of the first things that I would say for anyone in their process is, first of all, defining what it is that you want. Mm. What are you here to do? Why are you here? Why did you come here? What is it that you desire, wish to experience, uh, wish to learn, wish to explore? So fine-tuning that first, that question of what, what is it that I'm curious about? And if you don't know, what, what draws your energy? And then as you dive into that, I found for me that then uh, releasing any fears or any resistance around the process of going after that allows it to come forth at a more natural, organic pace. So the first thing that I learned to do years into my life that has now really started to make a huge difference was to meditate. Mm. And, and the reason that that's been important, and I don't think I really understood meditation for years until I started practicing it, is that our brains, our minds, which we get so conditioned into thinking that this brain and this body is me, is actually, it's a tool, it's a vehicle. And when you learn to work with your mind by quieting it, because we all have that voice that talks, that self-talk of doubt, of, of questioning, which can be a powerful tool, but when it takes over and runs and runs and runs in the background all the time, it actually creates a vibration that keeps us in a certain state. So if we are to condition or create or set a specific mindset, sometimes it takes quieting the mind down and clearing that frequency of whatever that chatter is and going to a Zen place and then allowing and setting a new frequency of what it is that we intend to create. Mm, I love that. So when you started meditating, was it hard for you in the beginning? Oh, it was, it was hard to sit still for two minutes. It was like the hardest thing that I've ever done. Getting to five minutes was like a miracle. And then eventually I made it to 10 minutes and then 15 minutes would go by. And I was like, wow, that was actually really effortless. So it does take some practice to entrain the mind to quiet down. And as you learn how the different parts of the mind have frequencies, like our, our waking state, we call it, it's our problem solving state. We're actively thinking and, and doing, but when we sleep, our, our brain waves actually shift into a totally different state. There are many states that the brain waves can be entrained into, and it's learning how to flip into those and allow those different frequency patterns to come into play. It, it allows us to sort of co-create with our minds, if you will, and condition a certain energetic field or space that allows certain things to happen and manifest more rapidly, if mm. that makes sense. Yeah. It's so deep. It's good. So I have some questions. So do you have a specific type of meditation? Because there's like a million different types. Sure. There's many types. There's guided, there's different things you can do, modules to, to achieve specific goals. But I, I would say the very first thing, if you're, if you're new to meditation, if you've never done it, the first thing I would say is learning to quiet the mind, learning to get clear and Zen and centered so that you literally just, if any thought, if you're doing that, if any thought comes in, and I, I highly recommend breathing deep breaths in and out as you're doing this. Sometimes I'll light a candle. You know, if you're sitting in the darkness or looking out a window, it might, you might find your mind wanders. It's natural. So I find like lighting a candle and staring into the flame. And even sometimes I, I play music, like there's a, an incredible album called Binaural Beats, and it has different kinds of brainwaves entrainment. So I'll play that and just look into the candle and deep breathe. And the first thing I recommend is just letting any associations or thoughts go. 
separate yourself from an attachment to the thoughts and the, and the, and the idea that those thoughts are you and start viewing them as cars that you're looking out a window going by. Oh, hello thought. And watch it go <laughs> by. And then you, you learn to, to, to let go of the, the connection to the thought and just move into a clear, pure energy states. That's the beginning. So not judging the color of the car or, yes. or the quality of the thought or that yes. the thought is true or false or right or wrong, but just acknowledging that it's going by. Yes. I love that. And so when you first started meditating, how did you just even for two minutes at a time start to like, did it, did the access to the car analogy happen through breath work? Was that the fastest way for you to get there? Yeah. You know, the breath is very important. It's the one thing that connects us to this brain and this body. Obviously, if we stop breathing, we exit this body. So by breathing in and out deeply, it, it allows us to both oxygenate and purify our body, but it also grounds us and keeps us very clear and tethered. And it lets us feel at ease. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and also when we deep breathe, we get into the present moment. It just makes you want to take a big deep breath right now, right? Yes. 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 So that reminds me of another question that I was dying to ask you, which is what, what does like your morning routine or are you an evening routine? But most people that I find that I'm really inspired by, they've got some sort of a daily ritual that really helps to set their mind so that they let the mind know I'm in, in command here today. I'm working with spirit or whatever we want to call it but I'm not letting thoughts run this. So, so do you have a routine? Yes. My life is anything but routine. I'm not a nine to fiver. I have so many different projects going. So for me, there's no regular wake up time. Some days I'm early at 3am for a international press conference via satellite. So I'm getting someone ready to be you know, on camera at 5am, which is 8am New York time when we're here in LA. So it's just all over the place. So for me, I've learned that structuring my day rather than a, a locked-in time schedule, certain activities. First, if my total health and well-being are not in, in a high, high level of balance, then I suffer. I'm not my best. I can't show up and do things or be amazing for other people around me. So I find that planning my meals, planning my health, nutrition, if I'm traveling, if I'm home, whatever it is, I try to cook several meals a week, but getting those in order, I mean, it sounds very basic, but it makes a huge difference. So having clean, high energy foods to get my day going. I love that. Then another thing that I I focus on every week, this body is all I've got to get me through this life. So, um, total health and vitality comes from exercise, you know, anything fitness oriented that, that helps me to feel and, and have a more active, healthy life. I I'm like all for it. So yes, I train at the gym. Um, yes, I do outdoor activities and not every day is possible to train, but that has been a huge anchor of discipline and also of, uh, of energy. It, It spins the energy through my system so that I have great stamina and focus and clarity. So those are two key things. And then of course the meditating, is that daily for you? Uh, and if so, is it morning or night or just whenever? I've learned that uh, at first it was like something I had to set time to do and it was kind of like, okay, I'll meditate. (laughs) You'd go in reluctantly. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what is this all about? But I've learned that now after I've seen the value and, and learned how to work with that process, I can do it many times a day for just a few minutes. It doesn't have to be a whole ordeal. I don't have to you know, go to a special place. The special place is inside of me. 
So if I'm driving, sometimes I'll listen to things that inspire me. One of my favorites, if you have never discovered Abraham Hicks or Esther Hicks, she is committed to helping humanity learn about the laws of attraction and really how to set your frequencies to attract whatever it is you want in your life. So she's helped me a lot retrain my mind and entrain new ways to check my energy, make sure I'm in a higher vibrating space, as she calls it, a fly-hying disc, you know, so that my energy is at its best so that I can attract the right kinds of energy. So if I'm low... Yeah, getting into the vortex... Yeah, that, that's a term she uses. And some of you are like, what's the vortex? But, I did not know that you were an Abraham Hicks person. Like, we see, didn't talk about this thing, first round. We didn't, we didn't. This is huge. Like, I, I can, I, look at, <laughs> you guys can't see, but I'm pulling up uh, the Abraham Hicks book. Ah, uh, yes. Ask, Ask and it is given. given. Oh my goodness. So this book is so tattered and highlighted. And I have probably given this book, uh, there's three books that I've given the most in life, and this is one of them. Um, this is great. I love that. So the vortex is is where it's clear energy and where our, our minds and our hearts are aligned and that we can then work with our co-conspirator, which would be known as the universe, which really helps to um, launch those rocket ships of desire that she talks about and really live in harmony with our true essence, which is beyond the mortal coil of the body. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you are familiar with this because – this goes right back to what I was saying about knowing what it is that you want. If you are hazy in your desires, or if you just look at things people are experiencing that they seem to be enjoying around you and think, I want that, but I don't have that. I must not be deserving of it. You're setting a frequency that sets you up for failure. So this book was definitely a powerful one on my journey. And so I love listening to her whenever I need a little touch up, you know, do you get their emails every morning? I don't, I, I listen to her mostly on YouTube. There's so many worldwide fans and followers of her great work that, uh, it's easy to find short snippets and you, you guys will, if you look her up, you'll find she talks about virtually any subject. She entertains any question from anyone and goes into this dialogue about it for them. So from her, I've taken many, many keys about learning how to set and manage my state, learning how to move out of being reactive and more into being responsive and also setting the frequencies of desire the way I want them to go. And this goes back to one of my beauty philosophies of tell your story the way you want it to go. I love that. Oh, speaking of, how would you define beauty? So as, as I segued into a career in beauty, which for me was entirely unexpected, but looking back on my path, it all makes sense. Um, my whole philosophy with beauty is, you know, I'll, I'll just start with this. When I was younger, I, I came from a very humble family. I have three brothers and three sisters. I grew up in a tiny little home in Provo, Utah. And, uh, that's where that was my reality. That's all I knew. And I found as a child, I would spend a lot of time in the imagination space. And I, I think I created this idea that if I could somehow make life and things and the people around me more beautiful, that life would be more beautiful. So I guess that's what embedded the first kind of inborn quest to, to search out things that brought me joy and living a, a, a better, more beautiful life. So my philosophy for beauty is pretty simple. Learn to see and cultivate beauty in all its forms. Which is uh, so what you do. Yeah, there's so much uh, 
natural harmony that Mother Nature offers us if we just take a look and notice. It's all there. When things are in harmony, there's order. When there's uh, fear and chaos, there's a destructive, disintegrating energy that creates a lot of chaos. So whenever things aren't quite going right, I, t- I, t- I like to take a step back and go, okay, what can I right now focus on? that brings a sense of balance or greater harmony into my life. What can I be grateful for right now here in this moment? If I, if things are not so wonderful around me, moving into that space really shifts my mindset and my, my heart energy, which is a huge electromagnetic center, to attract a different kind of energy, to broadcast, if you will, a different kind of energy. So uh, in essence, and to wrap up my beauty philosophy, here's a poem that came to me one day and is somewhat uh, tied to and inspired to the late, great makeup artist, Kevin Aquan, who I would say is one of my great makeup inspirations, um, who used makeup as a, as a vehicle to really share his platform with the world. And, and, it, and the poem is this, I see beauty and the playfulness of a child. I see beauty in the face of a mother doing it all on her own. I see beauty in the world all around me. And sometimes I even see beauty in myself. Oh, beautiful. So, you know, really, when you, when you learn to perceive and focus on anything, whether it's good or bad, positive or negative, that is precisely what you begin creating a lot of momentum around. So if you don't like what you're seeing in your life, switch your focus up. Yes. Cultivate a new kind of focus so that you, you know, it's not saying I'm ignoring the bad things in my life or the, the negative things in the world. You can be very perceptive and aware of them, but it's instead choosing to focus on all the good things and cultivating the things that bring more goodness and more beauty and more balance and more harmony into your life. It's so key. I mean, one of the greatest pillars of, of a high quality mindset is what you focus on and the meaning and the language, um, you know, that you're giving that particular perspective, but just going back to one of the things that you said, and I love that full holistic, um, you know, well-rounded answer to such an easy question. I mean, my God, I just love this already. Um, I knew you'd bring it. But um, when you talked about, you know, when things, when you're experiencing fear or disorder, you know, you will shift your mindset to cultivate more of that, which you want to see. But what would be an actual example of that? Like when you, like, for example, you ran out of gas today, you know, so and maybe that's not your example, but you get my point. Like you were just so chill about it. For some example, people that actually. would ruin their day. Well, when it happened, I was like, okay, I've got this amount of time. I could panic. What should I do? What can I do right now to make this better right now so that I can get to what I need to do? And I went, I kind of went into a problem solve fight or flight response response and, uh, took action. So, um, but I didn't get all panicked and, and, crazy in my head, which, which maybe in the past I might've done. And that allowed me to move through it with ease. I could have been irritated at the cashier when there was a little bit of a line. I could have been upset that I had to buy a gas can and then run to the car and then, you know, all these little things. But instead I, I thought, I'm going to just stay happy. I'm going to enjoy that. There's a beautiful breeze. Um, I'm going to enjoy that. It's a block away from where I am. Nice. Uh, you know, all these little things, it, it just rolled off me and rolled past me. And before you knew it, my car was fine. I was back home. And so it, it is a mindset, but that's just a little story. Let's say, what about encountering things that have real deep fear? 
you know, it's natural, particularly when things have been painful or traumatic in our lives or in the past to move away from them, to do things to control and minimize our risk or exposure to those things. It's, it's a natural inborn survival instinct. But one of the, the negative aspects of that is that often what we resist persists. When we move into resistance, we actually, in many ways, are calling it into our life. So when I have something that I've thought of that I want to do or experience that is really meaningful to me, and I, I, I find myself having some fear about expressing it or voicing it or doing it, I take a step back, get into a place till I feel really good about it, and then I go after it. Um, or it's also an indicator to me that this is something, there's something deeper behind this. What is, where is this fear coming from? I go through a kind of an internal analysis. What's really behind this fear? What, what's behind this person or this situation that's presented? Because it's a new situation. I've never encountered it. And suddenly there's all this historical fear that suddenly loads right up almost automatically. And it, it, it's a perfect opportunity for me to at last address, navigate out of, and release that fear by taking a different stance with it. Does that make sense? (laughs) It does. And at the same time, um, you're super self-aware. So if you, so what I love about that is that you, let me just break it down like ABC. And then you let me know if I'm on the right track. When you're experiencing anything that isn't in harmony with your natural state, because now you're so accustomed to that state, um, because you've worked so hard to cultivate that. But when you come up against something that you're worried about, or that you're, you know, concerned about what they might think, or how will this go? Like, for example, I'm sure with the launch of this latest beauty product. And so it's unfamiliar territory, right? It's the unknown, which can cause a lot of stress and turmoil for any human. Um, but it's from there that you're self-aware enough to know, okay, I'm off center. So what can I do right now to realign? And then you've got all these tools in your arsenal. And it sounds to me like one of the first things you do is you become self-aware of it first and foremost, that you're not quite where you would like to be. You're not in full harmony and alignment. And then you do anything and everything you have to, to get back there, including breathing into the moment, focusing on something that, you know, makes you feel good. Um, or just having a little conversation with the cars passing by, which are the thoughts <laughs> that are trying to mess you yeah. up. <laughs> Is yes. that about right? You're, you're really onto something. Um, yes, I, by staying present, we, you know, it's easy to trip ourselves up with a lot of what ifs or long lists of all the things we have to do to get from A to B, but that's not really our job. Our job is to set a clear intention release it to the universe, and then engage the now the best we can with the tools we have and invite invite our intentions. So one thing that's helped me when I do get stressed is realizing that I can ask for help. I don't have to do everything alone. Finding trusted friends and super minds that are, have either done it before or that I know have, have a, a kind and, and altruistic interest in my well-being, I surround myself with those people for these key kinds of things. And I think that's why, you know, some companies are small companies grow rapidly because they found amazing people to surround around the business concept to give it life. Um, the same would go with relationships. You know, if we, we, we focus on the negativity and that's what we get more of, but if we focus on solutions and what can be done right now, 
and bring a lot of love and intention to it, suddenly things start working themselves out kind of magically. So that's one mindset to, to getting in the zone when going after something is to, yes, yeah, set, set the intention, release the things you can't control, stay in the now, uh, ask for help, bring on people that are maybe more experienced or experts, and then let the universe do its job. Mm, this is why you're the master. I love it. All of it sounds so simple. And here's what I invite um, my listeners to embrace as a mindset. And, and that is, it really can be this easy. You know, it's like people always say, oh, it's simple, but it's not easy. No, let it be easy because the next word or set of words after I am or it is are so powerful and we take that on. So it's like someone could listen to your story. And it's like, yeah, easy for him to say he's rocking it in Hollywood and he's all got this fancy swanky life. And, but it's not always been that way. You learn to cultivate wow. this. And so, yes. and you, and now you have all these tools, these mindset tips and, and techniques that, it's not just fluff. This is your life. You practice what you preach. And this is why you look like a swan floating across, you know, the, the pond in such grace while living a very productive, very erratic, spontaneous, demanding life that you've designed and that you enjoy and just look so effortless. But of course it took a moment to get there and you know what you need to do to realign when it doesn't feel quite right. Cause there are certainly plenty of moments in any given life where, you know, we're like, whoa, I don't know how to handle this, but we know where we need to go, including asking for help, which is what I love that you said. Yes. And as you get further into this process, this is something that I didn't, I wasn't, I, I couldn't say my family did this very well when we were younger. Uh, we've learned to do it a lot better now, but that is celebrate. Do things to lift your spirit. I, music has kind of been, I, I call it, it's my my life force, you know, it's my religion. Um, music carries with it powerful vibrations that can instantly shift any mood. It's a sort of a universal language. So for me, music was a great way to shift my states when I needed to. Um, but <clears throat> a lot of people use fitness or the outdoors or, or hobbies. Cooking is a great way to relax and come together with people, socializing, but celebrating even the little things. I used to think that it had to be some major thing and then maybe we'd celebrate. But when you celebrate with, with, with all the energy of your heart, it actually raises your vibration and people feel it. Have you ever been out uh, at a group, uh, you know, a group activity with friends and someone arrives and they just have this bright, shining energy that makes you want to laugh and play. And it just, it's like the biggest icebreaker in the room. And that's an energy that I, I strive to bring to social settings. If I'm not feeling well, I go home. If it's, if I need to take a break, I listen to that because we all have natural cycles where we need to rest. We need to repair. We need to go inside and figure out, okay, now what, now what do I want? How did that go? You know, sort of review and collect for the next processes ahead. So that's another big secret to, to laugh, to celebrate, to connect with people and share the experience of your journey with others. And I love that you said even the teeniest, tiniest, and especially then, because I think that people diminish progress or diminish, you know, any noteworthy milestones, um, or moments in life. And they wait for the big grand gesture instead of just appreciating the teeniest, tiniest bits of everything, because that from there is where you start to cultivate a magnificent life experience. Yes. Yeah. That's huge, Michelle. Yes. When you, when, when you get into that state, 
it's like realizing if you can be grateful every day right now, you can enjoy life yes. right now. Yes. Isn't that what it's about? Yes. Enjoying it. That's the joy. Look at, All the time. look at the smile across your face. I mean, my goodness, this is why one day I'm going to like totally turn this into like a YouTube channel because people got to <laughs> see this. Okay. So now you've brought up though, um, growing up and your family in Utah, I want to just take us back there. Um, maybe some, some key highlights that we should know about you. And then let's take it to, you talked about a serendipitous, uh, but meant to be obviously career as a makeup artist and then obviously come back full circle to where you are now and where you're headed just so we can kind of get a better sense of a day in the life of you and um and then <laughs> okay. now we'll be looking for you guys this is what i want you to be listening for those same and no pressure uh spencer you're not streamlining this yourself but like we'll be listening for that the mindsets uh mindset uh tips and tools that you've been sharing that have clearly been applied even when you are con- unconscious to it right okay so yeah take us back to growing up in utah and the big family well you know as a child uh, and a big family we there was a lot of creativity i'm so grateful there was a lot of music in my home everyone played instruments we also did ac- activities there was dancing there were sports uh, we did a lot of outdoor adventures. We had a family cabin and, and, and camped a lot. Um, all of that lent to a creative backdrop. But my dad was also very had his focus on our studies. Uh, and for me, my, my escape from the drudgeries or the everyday sort of day-to-day things was the creative world. I was very interested in music. I was always drawing and painting. And when I discovered the theater... At age six, I saw my first play. I knew I had to do something in this magical world. And I was just absolutely taken into it. So I started performing when I was eight. And this continued all the way till I was 23. Um, My parents could tell you some, some stories. When I was a teenager, I was always in a play, sometimes two or three plays. When I was 14, I got an agent and started doing commercials, uh, movies of the week. Utah was a big runaway production state for Hollywood because there were no unions. It was a right-to-work state. So we got a lot of interesting things there, Touched by an Angel, Promised Land. Um, I actually had a small role in Independence Day. They filmed out in the Area 51 portions in the deserts of, of Utah, right on the border of Nevada. So... A lot of a lot of interesting things came through the great state of Utah where I was born. And at the time, makeup, you know, it never occurred to me. It was always just part of the show, you know, it was part of the character. And I had I had no interest in beauty makeup. I don't think it had even crossed my mind. But what I noticed when I started doing photography at age 17, a lot of my friends who are actors and models, they also wanted to have uh, pictures, and I noticed that their hair and makeup was usually the thing that made them look really basic, shall we say? <laughs> and so I just I started finessing things, particularly for the women, and it just came naturally. It just made sense to me. And then later, I uh, you know, makeup was always part of the show. In theater, you you have to do your own makeup, and of course, in film, we had artists, professional artists, and it was so cool to watch the the pros when I would do these film jobs work. I was so fascinated with all their tools and how they could just make people look so perfect. I was like, that's, that's the <laughs> magic. It's, it's concealed within the mechanism of all this, this subtlety. And, uh, 
anyhow, I, I wasn't planning on being a makeup artist, but I, I, I went on to college to study film producing and directing and music composition. But while there, I had to take a makeup course and uh, the teacher grabbed my hand and she said, you need to do this. And I thought, I thought she was what crazy. What was her name? But her name's Janet Swenson. Aww. And I owe a huge, huge mentoring credit to her for really being the first to zero in on my talent and, and, and give me some guidelines to push. She pushed me, pushed me. She, she was, I could see her looking back, see her thinking about ways she could get into my psych psychology to make it so that I would have a greater interest in it. So she thought, well, I have a lot of friends who are in the film industry. I can get you jobs on those sets and you can meet directors and producers and that will get you in sort of the back door oh, into the industry. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> before you knew it, I was, I was like doing a lot of makeup and of course Utah was the wedding capital of the world. So there was always that. And I thought, you know, if I could make some extra money while I'm in school, great. It was easy for me. It was, it came naturally. So <clears throat> One thing that I learned from this experience, if I could zero in on it, is that sometimes our passions, what we see as something that's just, we, it's part of our essence, we can do it effortlessly. Sometimes that's an indicator that that is a great place for us to be because it's, 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 it's effortless. We shine in it. It, it. We thrive. Things that weren't so hard, or so, weren't so easy, that were hard for me, I had to work a lot harder at. Of course, I learned a lot about myself. So there is, there is definitely something to be said about dedicating yourself. And I, I did work at my craft once I got more into it. But initially, there was, there was no real interest in becoming a makeup artist. It's so fascinating because you were so interested in being an actor and film producing. In fact, um, you went to uh, Brigham Young University, right? Correct. So you were raised in a religious household? Yes. Yes. And where are you now with that? I was raised, uh, I was born in Utah and born into a family that practiced the Mormon or, or Latter-day Saints religion. And I, I got a lot of great core values from that experience. Um, and then there was a time where it was time for me to spread my wings and claim my own heart and my own path. And uh, I had so much fun growing up there, but then it was time to leave. So when I, when I came close to graduating, I knew I wanted to be in a big city. I had to go to either New York or LA and LA just made the most sense to me. The weather's great. Uh, the industry's here and it was closer to my family. So that's where I, where I made the move. And I've been here ever since that was 15 years ago. Wow. And so that conversation with your family, very tight knit family, um, very religious family are, is everyone still in Utah? <laughs> Most of them are. I have one brother in Idaho. Um, all of my siblings are married and now I have 16 nieces and nephews. So our family's really growing. Um, but what's been interesting uh, I, I've always been the one that was sort of the maverick, the one that broke the mold, that did things very differently, very non-traditionally for as far as my family goes. And initially that, that often ruffled, uh, you know, it was like changing the script. It was something that caused a lot of anxiety for me, you know, uh, in, in my younger years and was often a challenge for my parents. But as time went on, they became a lot more supportive and they saw that there was something magical happening with my career and they began to trust that, hey, this is this is where I want to go and where I'm meant to be and things really started to unfold as that process happened and that, that was interesting to watch my siblings shift from maybe what, what seemed like a, a bit more of judgment or misunderstanding to 
quiet acceptance to now celebrating my uniqueness. And it's made it easier for me to celebrate their lives for, for what they've chosen. And we, we've all come full circle in many ways as a result of that. Oh, it's such a wonderful testimony. It's like, you know, it's, it reminds me of that Marianne Williamson quote that's um, sometimes um, uh, they say that Nelson Mandela said it, and it's our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. And then she goes on to talk about, you know, making our lights shine so bright that we give permission to others to shine as well. You are the embodiment, uh, embodiment of that very essay that I love so much. And I just had this question, like, because I know there's so many people listening that could be living in places like Utah. Not everybody's in Santa Monica, California or LA. Um, but for people who know there's something more or something different than, than the construct of what they're, the paradigm of what they're currently in, how did you, like, where did you learn to access that or to even begin to pay attention to the uniqueness of your spirit? <laughs> Let me make sure I can uh, handle that question. Um, I think, I think, you know, I, I could say this when I, when I moved to LA, you know, I had focused on my craft. Once I decided I would give it kind of a half serious go, I, <laughs> I, I took a, a job actually. I realized in, in film school that I was great with application. I was sort of a natural artist, but I really had no idea what women's products were out there. So I took a job seasonally during the winter. I didn't care what counter I I landed at Longcomb and I started doing, I thought if I can just spend two months during the Christmas holiday, you know, Thanksgiving to new year, playing with products, doing makeup on customers, they'll be happy because people will buy things and I'll, I'll actually learn about what products are out there. That was sort of my first introduction to makeup. Through that process, I watched as different people would light up as I would kind of reveal to them, show them what's possible with their beauty. And quickly, the counter managers started having media artistry events. Then I was moved to the bigger areas with more population to do bigger events. And then eventually, I became a national artist for Lancome during that 18-month, two-year period. So I, I traveled all over the Western U.S. doing makeup for Lancome. Uh, that was sort of what led me to LA when I when I started doing makeup here. Um, some of my film colleagues, which you might know, this film Napoleon Dynamite. Um, those are all my colleagues: Jared Hess, the director; John Heater, the actor; and his wife, Kristen Heater, uh, is a longtime friend. We were just besties in college, and there was a whole group of us that made other films, and they would have me do makeup for their film projects. So when I moved to LA. Um, and I, I actually got an agent. I kept thinking, this is going to be my last job. <laughs> how, is this how, how is this happening to me? Why is this happening? And within the first year, uh, uh, the fir well, the first thing they told me is they put me on some jobs and they said, people love working with you. So it gave us confidence to refer more clients to you. And, and that's what started the snowball. And it was probably a year and a half into it. I was working a lot with, at that time, I mean, this was 14 years ago, Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie, um, Britney Spears, Miley Cyrus, Katy Perry, Taylor Swift, all these girls who are mega superstars now today. And I kept thinking, why is this happening to me? How is this happening? It was surreal. It seems almost pretend. And I was just sure that it was going to be my last job. But what I found was that I made it part of my, my craft was to make people feel 
really comfortable and ready to take on their day. Obviously, my, my craft had to be on point, but I took extra care to pay attention to their energy states, to listen to them, to talk to them in ways that made them feel safe and able to open up like a big flower or butterfly, as crazy as that sounds. You know, we all have times where our energy, if, you know, you might have been in an experience where you were bullied or someone said a nasty comment or you're just stressed out and it, it, it naturally, it shuts your energy down and pulls you in. And when you're around people that make you feel safe to be you, the reverse happens, you open up. And so that was one of my other biggest goals. People had to, I realized that people had to enjoy working with me as much as they love my artistry. Otherwise they would, they would call in another artist who had equal talent that they liked better. It's such a personal experience when someone is touching your face and for, for anyone listening who hasn't had the privilege and it is a total privilege to have your makeup done much less by someone like you, Spencer, someone's right there. Like you could smell their breath. They're two inches from your face. It's, you know, remember dirty dancing, like, um, what do they call that personal space? Like don't invade my personal space. Spaghetti arms, spaghetti arms. I'm remembering that film right now. But anyway, um, and I have been in the situation. I mean, for years I had a makeup artist doing my makeup five days a week that was so toxic and would, would do the opposite. Um, he just was so, you know, I have compassion for him, but he was just so miserable in the job, in the hours that we worked and so angry at everything and, you know, would carry that into our space and then smelled like cigarettes. And, you know, so the, you know, I'm not judging it. It's just that I, you know, begged my boss at the time, like, please let me do my own makeup. Like I can't, I can't spend an hour in his chair and then go on air and be my best. I, I, and I had to learn how to do it because she wouldn't let me not sit in his chair because then everybody would want to, you know, have their own makeup artist. And, you know, this was an employee, but anyway, and then it became so political. And so then I had to learn how to manage my own state which was so hard when he's two inches from my face. So I really appreciate that you're talking about being so conscious to the energy you were bringing while at the same time, this is what I'm blown away by. And I want you to talk about this while at the same time, balancing your own thoughts around how did I get here? How do I keep this? How do I grow this? Oh my gosh, look at me. So for, for someone like let's, let's say been given an opportunity to get like the job of their dreams, because back then that probably was right. You're thinking that's the last job. And yet, you know that it's this fine balance of, oh, this is amazing. And yet, how can I contribute? Who taught you to think like that? Or where did you learn that? Hmm. That's, that's a, it's a, a generous great Spencer. question. Um, one thing that my family instilled in me was that when we can be of service to others, and as we do our part, that everything just sort of you know, it keeps the wheel moving. Everything is easier for us all. So I look at, you know, do, doing a in any industry where you're doing a service for someone. I like to, I, I know from my own experiences, when someone is really there to serve, not just to perform a service, but be of service, there's a cheerfulness. And when I think of the word cheerful, it is a delightful, upbeat attitude with an attitude of help, being helpful. You know, so, uh, that is one thing that I, I strive to bring when I'm with my clients, because really it's about them. It's about, you know, if they've taken the time to, to find a great artist and hire me, I want to make sure that 
I can do whatever I can to make sure that they have a great day. It's really not about me. Uh, I, when I was younger, I, there were, there was this feeling of competition that, you know, and I'd hear stories of artists that were, were divas and it was about their makeup and how dare you change what I did to you. And, and I just, I saw quickly, I thought, well, it's really not about me. I mean, I can have opinions and people hire me because I do have a lot of experience with this. But ultimately, if, if I sense my clients not thrilled or there's something bothering them and I can pick it up, even the, the most subtle body language, I see their eye looking at something a little too long in the mirror and they look a little, you know, you, you know, that face when they're just like, mm, then it's my job to, but they don't want to say something yeah. because they don't want to hurt your feelings because you're such yeah. an expert, but yet they're not feeling completely, you know, confident about what they see. So yeah, I've made it a point to ask questions, to let them know, and Hey, not take it personally. Yeah. This is a dance. I'll bring my best. And this is what I think, but what do you want? What is, what is your vision for this? And of course, I'm not the only one on the team. There's hair, there's the best stylist bringing all kinds of amazing things, which that alone can bring a whole lot of inspiration for me to draw color palettes or mood from. So we really have a dance. And then if there's a photographer, you know, there's a whole, the way they light it and, and shape the mood and, what, what, what stories are being told is part of the whole job. So being, being, realizing that I'm a part of a team and the better that we are in harmony, the better the images, the better the client feels, the more magnetic they come across, the more confident they are. Those are, that's what I have. I've had, I'm having a great day. They're having a great day. I'm having a great day. I love that. I love that whole vibe. And I mean, I can, I know that about you anyway. Um, and then even just the clients that continue to have you be, you know, alongside them throughout their 10, 20 year journey. It's just so telling of, um, loyalty, not based on guilt, but based on choice and preference, which is key because there are a lot of makeup artists, but there are very, very few. I can count on less than one hand that are at the status that you are in Hollywood. So, um, it's, it's very indicative of everything that you're describing here in your mindset in general. Okay. So I have a fun question. Um, take us a day in the life of like one of your most luxurious, decadent, crazy experiences. Like you must see some stuff. I, I mean, not to play favorites, <laughs> but what's something that you're like, you guys would not believe this. <laughs> I can't believe I'm in this. Oh my, you know, the, one experience that I, I hold dear because it took me so far out of all that I know, all that's familiar, that I never in my wildest dreams would have imagined I would be doing for my career um, was when I got a call one day from a woman who, uh, well, my agent, they called my agent and the story was that they didn't, they wanted me to sign a confidentiality agreement, which I agreed to. And they wouldn't tell me much about what the job was for, but they wanted an in-person private meeting. And I've had a few of these calls over the years. Um, I could tell you some stories. Oh, boy. <laughs> but w when I arrived to this palatial private residence in Bel Air, I thought, okay, I wonder where I am. I, as I got into it, I learned that it was one of the, the princesses of Saudi Arabia who was preparing for her wedding. And she had had me over twice for two different trials. And I actually had thought that they didn't pick me because the, the original wedding date was set and then it came and went. Two months after that, I got a call. Are you ready for the wedding? This is the date now. And I said, Oh, okay. Yeah. What, what, what happened? And apparently they had 
the whole wedding setup and the wedding planner was so far behind, they had to scrap the wedding and push the date out. Uh, who knows the expense? I mean, this was a wedding where no expense was spared and they wanted everything to be just right. So they got a new wedding planner and pushed the wedding out. And when I got to have that experience, it was so it was so wonderful. It was so dear and so unique because I was taken into a country where... You went to Saudi invited, Arabia? I, so I she got married Emirates there. Oh, my God. To Riyadh. Stayed, stayed at the palace for the days. Then, then at the King's Hotel, the Al Safaliya Hotel. And, uh, you know, being, being, a man, being a man, first of all, in, in, a, in a country where women generally don't show their faces and invited into their private chambers to attend on her was such a rare treat. And it was such an eye-opener as I saw the culture of these people and the, the tradition and the bonds. And I thought, wow, these, these are family people. There's, there's a rich heritage here. And what maybe is, is the perception from the media was so different when I was there. And it was such a, a, such a treat and a good reminder that we're actually all a lot more similar than we are different. And uh, she was very gracious. And that's just one example of something that I, I would never have imagined that I would be a part of through my makeup. How did you, I mean, obviously, you know, like I said, unless you've been living under a rock and this is no offense, I'm not trying to throw shade just because you might not know about Spencer Barnes, but um, I just, I love Julianne Huff. And so I've been following her since she was like two and, um, and I love her look it's so fresh and clean and natural. And I'm not surprised that she's, you know, um, as, as addicted as I am to personal development and growth. Right. And that, you know, that is because, you know, if anyone is not familiar, she was in the film. I'm not your guru. That was based on, uh, Tony Robbins date with destiny, um, full immersion program that I went to that changed my life that I know you went to Spencer and changed your life. Yes. I was there with I her. Know. Yes. And Maria Menounos and Derek Huff and all these other celebrities. But when I watched that, I knew I loved her, but I loved her to a whole new level when I saw that she was so committed to truly growing herself and stepping into who she's really meant to be on such a deeper level. And so anyway, there's just something about knowing you were her makeup artist and so many other people that I also have admired like Brooke Burke and, and so many others. Um, but so how did this princess tell you that she knew about you? They had seen my work in magazines and had looked through uh, many pictures. And then, then on the website where I was represented, they, they felt that my, my touch elevated, but it was, it was soft and beautiful. It didn't, I, um, I can paint, you know, I can paint. I, if someone wants to do uh, a really dramatic, what I call Insta drag makeup, I can do that. That's great. <laughs> but um, I find that people are their most beautiful when you draw out and capitalize on their best God given features. And so there was something about that she was drawn to. And uh, she just said, I felt, I felt beautiful. Whatever you did, I just felt beautiful the way you, applied it, the colors you chose, the intensity, the softness, but also the strength. Um, she just said, I felt the most beautiful I've ever felt. So that's why she chose And there's me. nothing more important on your wedding day than to feel like you're actually you, but at your very best. And that's what you do. And you do that from the inside out, which is what I love. Um, 
So I had a, I had a question um, as a follow up to anyone out there listening who is a budding makeup artist, and it's 2018, and the landscape has changed dramatically from when you got into it. And thank goodness for your teacher, Miss um, Miss Swenson. <laughs> yes, Janet. being such a great mentor <laughs> and spotting and zeroing in on your talent and getting you in through the back door. I love that. I love that story. But for those who aren't fortunate enough to have a teacher really be able to see um, someone's greatness, or maybe they recognize it themselves, um, how would you recommend if you had to mentor a budding makeup artist that they start right now to cultivate a career that they can truly thrive and make a living? Such a great question. And it's one that I'm often asked. Um, being an artist of any kind or a creative means that there's not necessarily a prescribed path or that once you earn your degree, if you go to an academic type study that, uh, you're, you're suddenly qualified, you know, though I do recommend learning and spending time with other masters and artists. Anytime I'm around, even to this day, anytime I'm around my fellow artists, it is an inspiring and informative experience because everyone has different processes and there's so many different tools out there and so many different ways to use them and so many different perspectives on what beauty is. And so, uh, my best advice is first figure out what there's, there's really two or three kinds of makeup artists out there. First would be if you want to work in the big industry in either fashion, film, TV, or celebrity or music, you, you're going to need to be in a city where those kinds of activities are happening. I would say New York, LA are, are two big choices. And there's some secondary cities like uh, Vancouver, uh, Toronto, Miami, Atlanta, um, Dallas, even there's, there's a lot of hubs around the world. We're talking North America, of course, Paris, London, Milan, there's a lot of other incredible places. Um, but I would say begin honing your craft and studying as much as you can about all kinds of makeup. Study art. Learn how to model and shadow and manipulate light because at the end of the day, that's one of the biggest jobs that a makeup artist does. We shift and control and shape the way the light hits the face, a 3D object. So learning about those basic key core techniques and principles will aid you in your ability to transform and work with uh, the face. So, um, <clears throat> that's one thing, but I would say, I was saying that there's three different kinds. You could either work in the film and television industry where you're applying makeup on actors that are playing characters. So you're studying the character and creating with the creatives, the director, the production designer, what that character looks like and how they'll live and breathe on that actor throughout the film. So it's a very different process. It's creative initially, but then it becomes technical as you maintain that character throughout the process, often out of, out of continuity. So you have to be really sharp and know your script and know what's going on with the physiological aspects of that character. That's what I started doing. I started doing effects, makeup, TV, and film. Then there's the beauty world. You know, with what I do now primarily is all personalities, celebrities, um, entertainers, singers, but I do them when they are themselves or they have an important campaign to present something like an album cover, a book cover, a billboard for a new TV show. Um, those are the kinds of things that I'm hired for because their image is so important to be spot on. So you learn the nuance of, of subtlety and how to, how to tell stories with what you do with the makeup. And, um, that is something that's more of a freelance. So the TV film world has a union based, uh, work 
you work for longer periods on jobs and uh, you're there day to day. And then you have a break, you know, with a film or TV reps. But with freelance work, you may have jobs here and there peppered throughout the year. You might have busy seasons like award season, slower times like Christmas, New Year or the summer. So it's kind of asking yourself, what kind of person am I? What do I want to do? Am I into beauty? Am I into effects and and absolute you know character creation? Uh, do I like having different jobs and having a little free time, um, but not necessarily a steady paycheck? Or do I do I dep- am I better depending on a regular paycheck? So those are some questions to ask yourself. Um, of course, there is in smaller markets the bridal industry and salon world, which uh, you know people need makeup all the time for events. So for for those of you who are considering it. Find out ways you can get your work known and connect with people. It is a people service based industry, so your your connections and the network you build will be essential to growing your career and creating a client base that brings you a longevity of work. Awesome. Okay, so this is kind of a, a pop question. I just thought of it and I thought, oh my gosh, we have to get you to answer this. If you've seen one area of someone's face, if if this is you know addressed virtually any type of age or, um, you know, personality, what, what have you seen transform a look? And again, not from like, Oh, you know, not attractive to attractive. I just mean like really highlighting their own beauty. What is it? Is it under eye? Is it lips? Is it lashes, brows, sculpting, (laughs) uh, contouring? I mean, these days the contour is so intense, Spencer, you know, it's, it just seems overwhelming to so many of us that would rather not ever wear any makeup. So what have you seen? Just one simple trick. The very first thing that I look at when I look at a face is their actual architecture, the symmetry, the balance that exists. And I begin to examine mathematical principles, believe it or not. This is what the Greeks knew as the golden mean, the, the, the perfect natural ratios of the face. So the first thing that I look at actually is the brow. The brow is, and the eyes are, the most expressive part of the face. So if the brows are, are accurately laid out with good ratios and architecture, the whole face can change. So, okay. So this is great because I mean, listen, the brow is like a billion dollar market right now. And like, it's never been a more important time to talk about brows. Um, what, what is that like sort of ideal ratio for those that like, let's say have no brows left over because they tweaked them out in the eighties or, or, you know, just never were given God given beautiful brows. So they, you know, but they don't want to do microblading. So they're going to pencil in or brush in. First of all, do you recommend pencil or brush or, um, creams? There are so many different ways the brows can be approached. So I'll, uh, we don't have time to go into a full structured analysis of this, but I'll give you these guidelines. Shape is far more important than and symmetry than how thick or thin. Um, so get the shape right. Get a good if you don't know, go to a professional and have them really begin structuring your shape. If you've over tweezed, let them grow in. You know, bite the bullet, let them grow in, and then get them done. And you'll find it can really change the lines and angles, the subtle shifts and angles, and where they start and stop, and how how they finish can really change the overall architecture of the face. So, if you can get that dialed in, you've got a huge start. And then I would say, secondly, the other thing, the one thing that we have with makeup lasts for a day, but what lasts for for our whole life is our skin. Learn how to take care of your skin. 
every decade of your life, your hormones will change, your age chronologically will shift. Learn routines and products that will give your, your skin incredible skin health. Um, if you have radiant, healthy, vibrant, glowing skin, you'll just naturally look more beautiful, more, more alive, more youthful, more vibrant. And uh, if, if your skin's looking dull or tired or dehydrated, prematurely aged, it will kind of dull you. So learning ways to keep your skin looking and feeling its best will serve you your entire life. So my five guidelines for skin are cleanse and exfoliate, treat if there's any problem areas, nourish with, with targeted serums and other skin health products, hydrate and then protect the skin. So if you're if you're outside obviously you're going to want some SPF. So those are those are some basic guidelines to making sure that your skin is looking its best. And the rest is all the rest it's is fun. Makeup. It yeah. lasts for a day. So brows and skin, I love that. And it just makes so much sense. And then for those of us who just love to keep it supernatural, um that really resonates. Um and it reminds me of one of the reasons why I also quit drinking. Granted my body was flat out allergic, but it made me look like shit. <laughs> For days after a couple of roses. It's dehydrating. So it was like, you know what? That is a good enough reason right there to just let it go. And then I was still holding on to a couple of cigarettes at night. And even that, I was like, you know, no, I don't want to look like a prune at 40 years old. So, Um, but anyway, yeah. So I love that. Um, To bring it full circle. So we talked um, earlier about this incredible new product that you've launched. And it's the beginning of a lot of what's happening with Spencer Barnes LA. But um, what is happening with this product? Um, where can we find it? And what's like, you know, uh, your, your, your spiel on it? Oh, this is so good. So the way this all came about, um, I was introduced by a friend who's a beauty publicist in Toronto to this incredible guy, Robert Coyman, who a year later became a business partner. We were developing other other beauty products. Um, his best friend, Randy Schinder, who's a major beauty mogul. If anyone on the inner workings of the beauty industry hears her name, they get so excited. Randy, just a bit about her background. Um, she is the creator of the world's first and most sought after lip plumper, Lip Fusion. Mm-hmm. If you remember that? I know it well, yeah. Yeah, it changed the market at the beginning of the focus when women wanted fuller, plumper Michael lips. Spears. I remember when she coined that phrase, yes. Michael Spears. I had to sell it at HSN. Not no had way. to, I loved it. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. It was so fun. Yeah. It was the first product in Sephora, single skew item to sell over 12 million units. What? So it was a huge oh, success. And then goodness. she went on to create Jessica Simpson's Dessert Beauty, an edible makeup collection, which was so fun and revolutionary. And lots of fragrances for like Justin Timberlake and Britney. And then she developed the world's first non-allergenic, hypoallergenic fragrance line for people that suffer from allergies from most perfumes and fragrances. So she's always had an eye on innovation and she's, she is, she is like crazy obsessed to make sure that whatever she does is the right thing for the market, that it delivers results and that it's innovative. So when I partnered with Randy and Robert, we started work on some products and we actually had two full collections in development that we've either scrapped or put on hold because we just weren't. It wasn't right. It wasn't right. It wasn't innovative enough. And then we got we got talking and looking. We're like, everything's been done. I like I, I can't start with another blush palette. I can't start with an eyeshadow palette. What what am I going to do that's going to make a difference? So I started thinking about 
all the things I do on my clients. And I thought, there's one area that I've never been able to adequately address. And it's, it's an area on the red carpet in flash photography. There's no hiding. Mm-hmm. And that's a woman's age on her neck area. So many women experience as they begin to mature a loss of definition on the jawline and men, for instance, uh, for, uh, the, the, the neck tissues begin getting more lined and, and hanging and sagging. So we thought if there was a way we could really effectively target and address this delicate area, we would have something incredible offer. So we went to work two years later after several, several, uh, revisions of formulas and a lot of research, we came out with the Spencer Barnes LA neck, jawline, and chin sculpting wand, and it instantly delivers results within five to 10 minutes. The whole neck and jawline area is is lifted smoother and tighter. Now, you'll want to know this. Most products that you've seen for the face that instantly tighten, if you've ever used them, they are more of a an effect that is short-lived. They're not very... You can't layer makeup with them. They turn, they break down like the edges might turn salty and white. Uh, Pills, it starts to pill or, yeah. This product does not do that. It is like any cream or moisturizer or serum that you can layer other products on top of. You can put makeup over it and it really, really works. Plus it has long-term benefits. And it's in a... Uh, So it's an instant fix, but long-term anti-aging benefits. Oh my God, you had me at hello. So as you use it, it actually, it's funny. I put it on today before our interview. I'm working on my neck. So uh, (laughs) something men can use too. (laughs) You look real, real good. (laughs) So we're we're excited. and We just launched it a week ago and we're getting a really positive response. And a lot of people at first, they're like, what? A neck wand? You know, like, what are they going to come out with next? But then when they try it and see the results, it's a no brainer. It's, it's, we, we're stand behind it. We're giving a money back guarantee. So what do you have to lose? Wow. <laughs> so where can, um, my listeners find it? Well, it's on my site, spencerbarns.com or spencerbarnsla.com. Go to the same place. And there's a lot of information there about the wand, its ingredients, the technology and products and uh, you can order it now and we're, we're shipping out the first round just next week. Yoo-hoo! That's awesome. Well, that's great because this episode, I'm not exactly sure when it's going to air, but it'll be sometime in the next two weeks. So it's perfect. Um, and then I'm assuming you've got some, some more products, you know, in the pipeline. Yes, we have some exciting follow-up products. One that is designed more for the face area that is specifically formulated for another sensitive, delicate area that needs some real results, um, as well as a revolutionary lash product. Ooh. I can't say much more, but um, oh my god, we're very excited. You're speaking my language, and I know everybody listening. Lashes and brows, come on! Like, yeah, I'm super excited. <laughs> oh, I'm so proud of you for stepping into who you really are, and this is like a perfect culmination of your passion, your purpose. And really being able to make a measured, meaningful difference in the lives of others. And what I love is that while it can sound, you know, to some surfacy and very sort of um, physically driven, the mission is so from the inside and it's wanting to just confidence. And I don't know a single female these days that isn't using something to augment her natural beauty. Um, And that's what I love that you really represent anyway. It's just the freshest, cleanest, you know, looking faces. And, And really, this is just a way to do, um, uh, just to, 
be able to have a, a confidence without having to go into super expensive fillers or surgeries or all that other crazy stuff that people can get caught up in that, that quite frankly, can sometimes do the opposite effect. Yeah, but you know, we'd like to, to keep things as holistic and non-invasive as possible. And hey, there are some great doctors out there that can do some incredible work. But um, at the end of the day, you're right. It is an inner to outward journey. And everything that I've taken great pride in embedding into what I'm launching is that philosophy that we all have the, a relationship. The greatest one we'll have in our whole lives is the one we have with ourselves. And if we can care for, cultivate, and harness the energy of renewal, of personal confidence, of inner strength, we, we kind of flower our lives in a way that is magical, graceful, and full of adventure, full of fulfillment, full of joy, full of, of many magical happenings. And, and that's really the goal with this is to help people activate and, and unlock the magic they have within them. I love that. And when you use the word fulfillment, you remind me of my very last question. Um, so I'm asking each one of my guests, you know, how would they define and, or what's your idea of fulfillment? You know, fulfillment is something that can be experienced. I, I changed my rules actually was at that Tony Robbins date with destiny week. I'm not your guru. Um, I learned one of my biggest limitations that I had unintentionally and unknowingly created for myself was I made it really hard to win. I had all these rules set up that made it very hard to feel like I had achieved deeper fulfillment and I made it hard to win. So I changed my rules so that I could make it easy to win every day often and frequently because the, the difference was that I made it hard to feel good and experience fulfillment to making it a lot easier to make fulfillment accessible. And when I did that, it changed my energy state and attracted even greater and more and deeper fulfillment. So fulfillment can happen in an instance or it can be a process. And, you know, there are some things like, you know, for me, one, one great goal is hopefully to one day be a father. So that's something I hope I get the gift of experiencing. But, um, right now I'm experiencing a lot of joy with some of my career goals and mostly I'm having fun through the process and having fun with the people that I'm, I'm so privileged to work with. And I'm having fun helping others on their journey as well, because we're all connected. And the more we we are happy ourselves, it spills into the world around us. I love that. And I love that, you know, that kind of really circles us back um, with a perfect um, holistic conversation, which is really celebrating those teeny tiny moments which is now the way in which you're able to access fulfillment instead of making it be some big gesture or some big accolade or, or goal. Um, it's like, no, what has happened today? There's so many of them throughout the day, you know, including just getting to be in this conversation in the middle of a random Thursday afternoon and having technology. That's so awesome that we can see each other and talk at yes. the same time and be miles and miles apart. You know, I mean, so yeah, I love that. I love that description. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, and for your friendship and for your service to so many, for those wanting to find you and follow you, um, where do you recommend they, they do that? So I am on Instagram, Spencer Barnes, LA, as well as Twitter and Facebook. Um, really easy to find me or my website. Um, 
pretty easy to find. And uh, it's fun to share my journey. And I love hearing from people about their journeys. I like questions. Um, and I also enjoy, like, especially with the launch of my product, I would love to hear from you about your experience with it. And uh, if there's anything I can help you with, or if there's some problem you want to address, maybe we'll, we'll focus new products on that as well. And do you respond to DMs from people you don't know? Uh, direct messages on Instagram is what a DM is, guys. Yes. You know, I, I do as much as possible. It is getting more increasingly challenging with the, the brand launch. We have had a lot of interviews, but I now have some help on my team. And we, we really do want to respond as much as possible. But um, for, for obviously for press and media inquiries, um, I have an agent and team members that can help for those sorts of things as well. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you again. This has been such a fun conversation and I feel like we kind of took it all over the place. It was like, you know, really light and really deep and you really dug to give us so much, um, so much, so much, um, honest mindset that obviously has helped to, uh, curate such a beautiful, happy, adventurous, fulfilling life for you. And I just wish you all the best and I cannot wait to try the sculpting wand. And so I will share my experience of that guys when I get it home. Um, and and, uh, and I can't wait for you guys to try it as well. So thank you again, Spencer. I had a wonderful time. I'm doing like, a, I would have a dance party with you right now if I was, <laughs> was there with you. You're like popping <laughs> your head. <laughs> That's awesome. best. Thank you, Michelle. And thank all of you. And uh, I wish you beautiful lives and journeys. Oh, thank you. All right, guys. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, please share it with a friend and head on over to iTunes and leave me a review. That would be so appreciated. And if you want to reach me directly with any comments, questions, or feedback, I'd love to hear from you. And you can do that directly at themindsetmashup.com. Thank you again. And I look forward to hearing from you.